When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 26th episode of Flixwatcher Podcast. I'm Kobe. I'm Helen. Here today to discuss the 80s nostalgia flick Turbo Kid. And in the discussion, we have Ben from Top Film Tip and Ed, our fellow team quiz member. As always, guys, we have all the show notes online at flixwatcher.tv for all the episodes. So please come and visit us there. Of course, join us on Twitter at flixwatcherpod. And please come to iTunes, rate us, and subscribe. And as we always say, guys, all the films were available on Netflix at the time of recording. There is going to be bad language. There's going to be spoilers. And we hope you enjoy it. So this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast has been brought to you by Geo Productions. And I have to say a massive thanks to Geo Productions. They've been holding my hand on Flixwatcher with Helen and I with their superb sexual editing skills. They're producing podcasters and helping podcasters like ourselves help them sound awesome. So we really want to big you guys up. And they said... If anyone out there wants to be a podcaster and wants their help, then reach out to them, podcast at glpro.co.uk and tell them that Flixwatcher sent you and you'll get 10% of your first package, of your first order, so you've got nothing to lose. Hello and welcome to this edition of Flixwatcher Podcast. Today we are joined by Ed and Ben, who are our quiz team fellow quizzers. Yeah, from, from the, uh... Shabbos Rollers. Bigger boat film quiz that we uh, we do. We have been victorious at least once. Once, I think. <laughs> Possibly twice. Possibly, maybe, maybe thrice even. But Ben, Ben, you are you are perhaps the largest reason that Flixwatcher podcast exists because well, that's how me- that's how we we all met. Yeah, that's how we all met, and and now we're here talking about what's going to be Turbo Kid, which you're going to introduce. Who are you? Uh, Who are you? Thank you. <laughs> First of all, thanks for having me on. My name is Ben. I run Top Film Tip on Twitter. It's a, an account where I, I tweet out a little tip, a little snappy synopsis of the best films on TV every day by TV. It's British TV, but a lot of people in, enjoy following the account to get some ideas of new films to watch or what's on. For instance, for Turbo Kid, the tip would be Donning comic book heroes persona, post-apocalyptic BMXer and perpetually ecstatic android battle, splattery gore tyrant, Turbo Kid. And who are you over there? I'm Ed. (laughs) I'm a cinephile, I guess, who's on your quiz team. I don't have much of a social media presence, but if you want to get in touch, I'm on Twitter at at Corrigan90. Yeah, I'll link to to in the show notes. Don't worry about that. But yeah, I... uh, I can't recommend Top Film Tip enough. Definitely give that a follow. Thanks very much, Ed. What an endorsement. (laughs) So, Ben, tell us why you chose Turbo Kid and and the synopsis. I I think I I spotted this film originally. The trailer was on the the header of IMDb for like one day. They must have like got all their money together for the advertising. It really caught my imagination. It's a retro-themed 80s-style post-apocalyptic adventure film kind of riffing on a lot of the 80s vibe films like uh, bmx bandits 
rad as well as all the post-apocalyptic favorites particularly mad max mm. it's got a real aesthetic a real energy and enthusiasm to the film it's tremendous uh, retro electro soundtrack and unbelievable levels of gore that still <laughs> surprise me every time i watch it it's just it's just a whole lot of fun the film follows a sort of teenage boy who is living alone out in the post-apocalyptic wilderness and he's befriended by a sort of mysterious yet inexplicably enthusiastic young lady yeah called apple apple indeed and are we spoiling? Absolutely. Is an android called Apple. So <laughs> right there, you, you got an idea that some of the, the nuanced layered humor in the film. And they end up getting into a some kind of feud with a tyrant played by Michael Ironside. Yeah, who, a tyrant called Zeus. Zeus, who, as, as is tradition, loses body parts, just like he does in uh, Robocop and Starship Troopers and Total... Total Recall? Does he lose an arm in Total Recall? I can't remember. I can't remember so Michael Ironside is, a, is one of those character actors for me who I, I recognise his face, but I, I genuinely cannot place him in films. So I did, doing a bit of IMDb-ing, and that's where kind of the jigsaw pieces kind of fell into place, but I can't. I really can't remember what he's done in the any great detail. Can you guys place him? No, but I, for some reason I thought that he didn't actually have one eye in real life because oh, he really? kind of plays that one-eyed sort of character all the time anyway. I thought his I thought he was one of the characters in Malcolm in the Middle for a long time whilst watching the film. I don't know why. Ed, what do you think? I feel the exact same. Like you see him and you go, Ah, oh, that guy. Yeah. Where have I seen him? And it does take an IMDB search to to really know who he is and where you've seen him before. So let's, I mean, let's talk about Turbo Kid in the start. When I this film is kind of packed with a lot of influences, isn't it? All the way all the way through. Lots of little in jokes and, uh, and and nods. And when I when when it first started, I actually thought the first film I thought was was Wally. Uh, Star Wally's where he's looking through the scavenging scavenging around and picking things up and yeah, being alone in the wilderness basically. I had no idea where he was, who he who was who was with him. I mean, what other what kind of influences do you reckon? Well, there's a there's a lovely gag where he's eating the um, Soyle Vert breakfast cereal, which is the French release name for Soylent Green and um, Green Sun. There's the uh, one of the running gags uh, through the whole film that just I absolutely adore is it's um it's a post-apocalyptic biker style violent adventure film but they don't have motorbikes they have push BMXs. bikes so yeah. even like the big bad guys just roll in on a BMX or a battered up <laughs> tricycle and it's played absolutely deadpan me it's hilarious and yeah man that that kind of BMX bandit thing is a big kind of pull very for strong eighties theme absolutely can I ask a question yeah. How many people here watched this by themselves and who watched it with people? I watched it alone both times I've seen it. I've watched it by myself. Alone. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, we, we do have friends. This might say something about us, but I find I find comedy is a very social thing. Mm. And you're right, it's very deadpan. But I think it took until the first fight scene for me to laugh out loud. And it was at that point that I was like oh, this is actually a comedy. This right, isn't yeah. just a really bad film. <laughs> this is meant to be this way. Yeah. And I wonder if I would have kind of, that would have clicked a lot faster if I was with other people. That's interesting. Uh, on that point, I broadly only watch films alone. I watch roughly a film, uh, slightly over a film a day. And that usually is in my commuting time. So I'm, I'm almost always alone. Does anyone regularly watch films with their partners or friends? 
I'd yeah. say like 50 50. Yeah. 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 yeah, sounds about right. I'm so, like, I'm like 95% on my own. But this, this kind of film, I would find it hard to get past Sarah. It'd be, a, it'd be a tough, it'd be a tough, uh, it's watch. a tough sell for some people. Yeah. And you wouldn't be able to watch it with your kids. This is not a film I want to <laughs> should point and out that this is not a children's film. Yeah. <laughs> if you kind of look at the poster and kind of look at, you know, just it briefly, the word kid does not mean this is for children. No. It's not it's not an 80s adventure Goonies it's type not. thing. That's interesting. There is no dismemberment or gushing blood on the poster. <laughs> no. It, it has a very nostalgic poster that brings you back to your childhood. Yeah. But it is not the children so when was it's, this actually made 2015 was it 2015 it's based on a, a a short film they made the year before for about 20 minutes which i haven't managed to track down it does have a sequel in the works and there's also a nine minute short you can find on youtube which is sort of the the story of apple the android before like a little mini prequel to the film so i mean let's talk a bit about the film and who's in it because the, the turbo kid he loses his kid. He loses his parents tragically at the hands of Michael Ironside and and his henchman that, with his henchman with the with the skeleton with the skull face mask. It's told really nicely. The, the skull face mask guy. That's real <laughs> Master Blaster from uh, that. That took me to Master Blaster from um, Thunderdome. But the the the, the childhood story kind of comes in 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 three or four. Waves, waves. Flash, yeah. they're like flashbacks it, on them. Yeah, yeah. Sequences. And, yeah, and builds in, and and there's a nice little, um, there's a nice little payoff at the end of that, and it, it builds the character. And I think with a film, with a film like this, it's obviously made on a low budget. That's coming from a real place of nostalgia and love from everyone involved. Mm. There's a real danger that it could end up being looking really cheap and amateur. And this film is made, to my mind, really, really well. It's it, it sits together nicely. It's tightly edited. It doesn't feel baggy or mm -hmm. slow. There's no point in the film on board. Every every scene is is colourful and interesting, and there's always some little detail um, to take your interest. I I feel I should stop at this point because I obviously love this film. <laughs> but I have no idea about you guys. So do, should we go around and just give a yay or nay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, go on, Ed. So. I have to say that at the start, it was going to be a nay. I, uh, <laughs> it just felt cliched. It felt like it was trying too hard. Mm. And as I say, it wasn't until the first fights. Like, so for example, any scene with the cowboy, his dialogue, I was just like, oh dear God, are you serious? And then you get the fight scene and it is so ludicrous. It is so... So which fight scene was it you're talking it about? The, the pool, the uh, the start in the, uh, the pool party. Right. It all kind of just gets so out there so ludicrous that i'm like right it's not just kind of this forced stilted yeah, yeah it kind of all fell into place and from that point on i definitely started enjoying it i just kind of let loose and i was like you know what i'm going to enjoy this for what, it, for what it is which at the start i didn't know what it was yeah you can't take it too seriously no helen definitely not what it's, it's, it's a lot of fun you're a big fan of the old style uh, original Peter Jacksons, aren't you, Helen? Yeah, uh, yeah. that is it's definitely along the probably surpasses actually Brain Dead's level of gore. <laughs> There's some particularly brilliant bits with torsos and <laughs> the, the triple stack. Yeah, yeah. and uh, a particularly inventive bicycle torture scene, which oh, should, oh, yeah. should really please any any gore fans. But um, I think the thing I like the most is probably Apple. I think ev every bit that. 
that she's in she's is a lot of fun. zeal. She's kind of sort of the the manic pixie dream girl. I thought I, I knew I'll, Am- amplified. I thought you were going to say that. She's not annoying. She should be, but well, she isn't. At the start, when she first came into, so I'm I'm on kind of Ed's camp. When it first came on, I was kind of like, what is this exactly? And it took a few things to kind of twig as to what kind of the setting was, what how deadpan it was, where it was where it was kind of going, and then you can just kind of relax and go, okay, I'm fine. I'm this is what this is what I'm into. And I should point out on our Twitter account, I always ask people what their favorite thing on Netflix is at the time, at the moment, and more than one person, well, quite a few people actually said Turbo Kid. So it was actually really cool to hear you say, let's watch Turbo Kid because I've literally never heard about it. We'd had a lot of love for it from outside of our, our group. Yeah, and there's people so. So there are people that look and we'll talk about there's people who uh, gave us short reviews and they really loved it. It, for it has all it the makings of a cult classic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's set out to be a cult classic and it's not trying to be anything big or clever. It's just about let's go out and let's enjoy making this film and let's enjoy hopefully showing it to people. So that would be four yeses then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say because obviously you'd mentioned a few other films that were kind of kids films. I didn't really read anything about it. I just kind of went in going, oh, you know, Ben really likes it. So it could be anything. It, I have to say, it That's wasn't, high the, praise. It you. wasn't <laughs> the film that I was expecting it to be. What were you expecting I, it to be? I, I, I did think it was probably a kid's film. Or I thought it was like a, from the start bits, some kind of, the, the film that it is, but without any of the gore, I yeah. think was what I was expecting. The goal and then was- when it came in, I was like, Oh, okay, interesting. Because the gore was quite interesting. Because I mean, now nowadays we have the kind of hardcore gore of things it's like everywhere. Logan and and Raid, where it's it's visceral and it's real. And you have the kind of cartoonish of Tarantino and things like Kingsman and Deadpool but, and Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah, I guess yeah. Deadpool's kind of in there, isn't it? Com- comic book violence. Yeah, and this is hyper kind of comic, but it's just it's like it's not even trying to be. I think the Peter Jackson. The parallel I yeah. think is, is clearly you can see some influence and there. this is a kiwi kiwi canadian mix isn't it i think it's just canadian canadian I, mean, I don't know if there was some kiwi money behind it but it was filmed in uh, the french parts of quebec and montreal okay uh, lawrence labouf has made a lot of french language films android apple the android oh cool i mean i i think the i've not seen i still haven't seen brain dead bad taste yet well i have seen them in part i'm not but i can't I can't remember what really happens and apart from those heads exploding and there's things like that but there's so many points where people's torsos were just quartered and falling apart and the amount of the amount of obviously fake blood what I have to say about this uh, film is I saw it I saw it on release when I saw that trailer on IMDb yeah the one day it was on I was absolutely just and where did you watch it the first time I think I got a DVD when it was it came out on DVD Mm. I think it must have got a very limited release in cinema and that was sometime in 2015 and we're in 2017 now. And it's been a while since I watched it. I just remember really enjoying it and, and the retro feel and the post-apocalyptic and, and just being a, a, a thoroughly enjoyable film. When I came to watch it a second time a couple of weeks ago, I had wholly forgotten about the level of gore, which mm. didn't go down well on public transport. <laughs> well, what did people, did people point things out? There were some uncomfortable uh, little stares <laughs> from my <laughs> passenger, my uh, on the on the Thames Lake, and um, the other thing I've I've totally forgotten about is the absolutely awesome um, retro electro soundtrack score, which I, uh, was fantastic. And if if you're not sure, and was it all original score? This 
I believe it's original score, and if it's kind of in in the in the realm of Stranger right. Things, I'd say if you, if you're familiar with the Stranger Things soundtrack, and also like Tron, I think it's probably mm, more yeah. Tron-y. Tron's another kind of influence there. Strong isn't it? influence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a lot of like nostalgic '80s media at the moment with like Stranger Things, Drive. Yeah, Tron kind of the sequel came out the, a few years ago, so it kind of it kind of fits in that. Like, that pocket, isn't it? Yeah. I think the opening song is like that sort of 80s, uh, 80s cock rock yeah. kind of cocaine-fueled guitar music is actually from a 80s BMX film, an 80s BMX film called Rad. So there's a, there's a okay. direct nod there to BMXing films from the 80s. I think a lot of this for me did did kind of rest on the on the, on the the nostalgia. I used to love BMX Bandit as a kid, and I, but I still, I can't remember it. Mad Max for me was... I didn't really like it when it came out, but the, obviously the new version of Mad Max, the thing is outstanding. But riding around, the kind of riding around, and Goonies as well, I think is an influence on that, as well, on this kind of thing, riding around with your mates and stuff like that. And I, as a kid, used to ride around in the BMX bikes and have fights with the kids in the neighborhood. Not really fights, but you, you, we'd all kind of hang out in packs. And so this really kind of grabbed me. And what was it, the name of your gang, Copes? We didn't have, we just, I lived on a place called Aspen Close. So, you know. Aspen closest. The, the pretty all all the gangs were named after whatever street you yeah. lived on, pretty much. I also guess then that ties in maybe with some like the warriors having the gangs and uh, roaming around. But there was yeah, there was a little bit of a, a warriors feel to it. I think with the, like the, the bunch of bad guys have kind of got that warriors feel because yeah. they've all got their individual looks and and also the warriors kind of style. soundtrack as well. Yeah, a very distinctive kind of soundtrack. So I was born in the nineties, and this <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing's kind of going right off my head. I, you missed I, out, dude. A lot of the references weren't. I don't know. Like I could see the nostalgia there because obviously, you know, these films are still be, around. It'd when, be hard not to this. But it was Mad Max was the biggest yeah. thing for me, and I think that's what threw me off because I watched all three Mad Max films when I was about twelve, between twelve and fourteen. Mm. So I'm watching it, and I'm getting a very strong Mad Max feel. And I think that's why I was thrown off at the beginning because I'm expecting this kind of gritty, like, just, yeah, just this kind of really gritty post-apocalyptic film. But then... And it's not. And it's Mad got so many more elements to it that just went over my head. Mad Max doesn't have a gnome stick or someone being impaled by a unicorn bike. <laughs> no, but it, it does have... Like, the quest they're looking for water. It has yeah. the quest for water. Landscape. It has the like made up weapons. Like everything's kind of been rebuilt from something yeah. else. Yeah. So it doesn't have a known salvaged stick, but it has got weapons that have been salvaged from something else. Yeah. You know, they've all got BMXs that they kind of do up themselves, but Mad Max has got these cars and these trucks that they've all rebuilt and, and reimagined. So yeah, I just I, th I think that might be what threw me off. The so fact thought... that I missed a lot of the other references. <laughs> so that's interesting. But but even that said, you still got a lot of pleasure from this film. Oh, yeah, massively. But as I say, it took a while it, into it, it. It took like something as ludicrous as the crazy out-of-the-world gore that made me go, oh, okay, to, right. To give an indication to any listeners, is the level of detail and imagination that goes into the, the gore of this film is... Is admirable. There's a there's a scene where someone gets uh, is is uh, relieving themselves and they get ambushed from behind and as they fall over, there's this enormous gush of blood, paralleled by an enormous stream of urine. <laughs> uh, and it's those it's those little details that that 
give it the rewatch value and to my mind. the triple stack that you mentioned the earlier. triple yeah triple so, stack is a, a is a rememberable moment i would think so it's like a torso on top of a torso on top of a pair of legs and you've got the guy who's 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 been stacked upon he can't always well, completely blind isn't he yeah well part way part way through the film the the main the protagonist who admires the, the it's comic book hero turbo kid finds a sort of 80s style power glove that has the same powers we'll as have his, those in the 80s. yeah as his hero um, as his comic book hero that basically has the the ability to just eviscerate people at a distance yeah and and he makes really good use of it in his in his quest for justice well let's talk about the main two guys and what's the main, what's the main kid's name is it just turbo kid We'll just call him Turbo Kid. I mean, I, I was kind of watching it going, it really does look like Johnny Barrow from Razorlight. I was like thinking that's maybe, actually, that's actually maybe he's, he's gone into acting and I did have to check to see that it wasn't actually him. A little it's bit younger, him. but yeah. A little bit younger, yeah. Because you talked about Apple and the Max, the man at Pixie Dream Girl last thing. So when she first came on, I was I was annoyed the by kid. her. The Kid. He's called The Kid. The Kid. And But when you but you do kind of grow to love her, especially when you find out she's this, this android who's just there to help people and it's such a nice combination he falls in love with that, that's that kind of romance thing even though he knows she's an android there's that love thing and they wanted to protect each other and there's that oh, it's, it's so beautiful yeah lo- love and vomit yeah love and vomit. yeah <laughs> i mean what do you guys make of apple generally because she's been i think she's everyone's got the most kind of, yeah, yeah got everyone, the love loves, everyone loves apple from from twitter she has a yeah a tremendous uh charisma and it, it's hard to explain you, you can use words like enthusiasm or or zeal and and you you can't describe the the infinite energy that this this actress puts into that character's it's a hard it's a hard task it's just hard role isn't it it's unrelenting yeah but as you say helen not she in an annoying really way annoying, but yeah. she's it could really not, great but it's she's just a very fine line it is a very fine line and she's got a very like naive childlike innocence to her mm. and it's it's one of those things that could very well be annoying and you know that the kid is annoyed with her at the beginning and you kind of want to agree with him but you can't she's just really likable i mean it's that really cool scene where she you think she's dead or she's been decharged and she comes back to life and finds the unicorn uh, unicorn bmx bike and comes into the big fight at the end and skewers skewers one of the bad guys and it's just and you see her coming from a distance with a big smile on the face. It's a bit like uh, Kimmy Schmidt in the way, that unrelenting kind yes, of... Yes, that's actually, that's a, a really good parallel. Yeah, that kind of unrelenting, happy, smiley, just you can't be angry with. It's one of those people you can't be angry with, but sometimes you might just feel exhausted <laughs> by being with her for like an hour. You might just think, let's just go over there for a bit and leave me alone, but come back soon because I will need a hug or I'll need some pep up and stuff like that. But she's... I mean, she's, she's probably the best part of the film, I would think. It's interesting that you drew the Kimmy Schmidt parallel. I drew Holly Quinn, and I know I don't think anyone really wants to talk about Suicide Squad because that film was... <laughs> but maybe it's like just that weird enthusiasm mixed with the platinum blonde hair, but... She's like I, a pale blue. Well, no, she's pink. She changes pink, throughout yeah. film, doesn't she? Well, no, I think it stays. It's, it's just kind of like three. pink blonde kind of thing. It, I don't know. It's just that kind of sociopathic... Innocence she, and enthusiasm, yeah. maybe. I mean, I I got kind of Natalie Portman in Garden State for for my reference. Yeah. So I guess well, we're it's, all it's that manic pixie dream girl thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's she's great in it. And it's good to see a female character like that who's just awesome. But <laughs> what, what I, I quite enjoyed of this film is even even now, so many films are, are just about someone 
whose spouse or partner gets fridged and they end up having to go on some vengeance mission. In in this case, she actually ends up saving him. And there's it, it, it's not forced. It's not like they've gone, oh, we're going to do a gender flip. We're going to you know, make a point of it. It's just she's one of the characters and all the characters do their thing. Mm. And there's there's females on the bad side. There's you know females on the on the good side and it's a, everyone's involved and um, and no one is no one's free from violence it's strange she starts off needing help like she leaves behind yeah. a dead best, best friend, friend and replaces the dead best friend with the kid and she kind of claims to need his help but you're right when he's the one that needs help she comes running she's the one who comes running with a unicorn doesn't seem like it's an intentional force let's gender flip it just just is but can I go back? Did you say a spouse or partner getting fridged? Yeah. I've never heard that. You've never heard before. this term. This is a, a filmmaking term whereby it's a bit of a lazy trope whereby to motivate a character, they're female, that, that they are, you know, patriotically uh, in charge with protecting, is somehow harmed, raped, murdered, and then they have to go on a mission of vengeance. And it's always that way around. You never really get too many films where the the woman goes on a mission of vengeance afterwards but where fridge that just it's just the term i'm not sure well look look it up guys and i've heard it before but i can't remember i think there was a specific reference to it yeah it probably goes back to a particular film where this where someone was killed with the fridge (laughs) (laughs) fridge deaths and the bad guys who who are you kind of who are you who are your favorites ironside ironside what about the what about the iron face what about the iron mask guy with his multiple see, blades of destruction, he seemed to be invincible. Compared, all, all the other bad guys seemed to be were very, very much disposable. disposable. Yeah, there's something about the Iron Mask. You kind of it's very ex- vaguer from um, Street Fighter Two. Are you too young for Street Fighter Two, Ed? I've oh. seen it, but I, I think no. Uh, well, about- the fact you've said you've seen it, not yeah. played it, I think answers our question. <laughs> I like, I've the- seen the Street Fighter films, and it's vague even in Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Oh, is it? Uh, I think I'm more of a Mortal Kombat guy. Oh, okay. You're a Sega, not Nintendo. I mean, the the posters that we've got up there, the Turbo Kid is the Street Fighter font. Well, yeah, it's very similar. Yeah. I think there's a mystery to the Iron Face guy, though. I think I kept waiting to find out that he was going to be someone. Mm. And I I think that was what really drew me to him. I really quite, I liked how kind of expressive he was in his... In In his his non-expressive face. Yeah, in his non-expressive face. It's like, if you've seen the film Frank, where Michael Fassbender has Frank Sidebottom's head on, he managed to convey a lot of expression. In despite, his body language. Yeah, despite not being able to actually see his face. And I mean, this metal face guy has got the advantage, of, you can actually see his eyes at some point, so you can really kind of see his anger and the kind of vitriol and the almost enjoyment at slicing people up with his with his ballistic chainsaw, <laughs> chainsaw thing they let's fly. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, he, he go, there's, um, there's various scenes in the film where Michael Ironside is having uh, pool parties, which whereby there is a disused pool mm. that he puts people in and then they get chopped up by the bad guys and then mulched for their water, for their bodily water fluids. And Iron Face Man, see, you're right, he, he seems to enjoy this process. <laughs> Bit of a psycho. All right, guys. Uh, anything else you want to, you want to say about the film? I, I realise we've probably spoiled the whole film by this point, but if you've somehow skipped ahead twenty minutes, <laughs> go into this film cold. Um, <laughs> wa- watch it with a bunch of friends and tell us what it was like. Yeah. Tell tell us with I... no friends what it's like to watch with friends. Yeah, I w- I would love to hear because there are certain films that 
you can watch by yourself and you can enjoy, but then you watch it with people mm. and the experience is completely different. So, for example, American Psycho. I missed out at the cinema. I was too young to watch it at the cinema. But I watched it a lot by myself and with two or three friends and had great enjoyment. I watched it at the Prince Charles. Yeah. And everyone was laughing like really loudly out loud. And I was like, this is an actual comedy, not just like a dark <laughs> black comedy. Everyone is really... Yeah, it's not like this. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It was full on belly outrageous. Yeah. And I was... The infectious uh, experience. Yeah, and so I would really like to know how people how people reacted to watching this in company as opposed to just... Well, it'd be quite interesting to hear what your... Share your group experiences with us, yeah. please. And the small screen score could, be, could have an impact on that. I, when the sequel comes out, I'm going to try and get to a, a screening for this one. Well, I think there seems to be a lot of love for it. So I think there will be there'll be clusters of people who are ready to go and, and watch it when it comes out. A cult classic. Do you know what, do you know what would be great? Making. Secret cinema. Secret cinema. Secret cinema turbo kid. <laughs> that could be fantastic. What would you, what, what would be your costume? It'd have to be a bright, it'd have to be a super bright I'd, helmet for I'd, me. I'd, I'd like to say I could pull off Apple. That sounds I'm quite a, weird. A, which one? I'm the uh, sparkly um, dress or the jumpsuit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bit fatter and hairier than, than her, so I'd probably end up being a Michael Ironside. Yeah, you'd be good at that. Yeah, with the... Thanks, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> with the eye patch. I think I'd probably go as a rogue. I'll just probably get an NFL kit and some kind of mad helmet and get some spikes on me. It'd be good to get some kind of gore going as well. Projectile. Maybe, maybe like have my my left arm inside my inside my coat and then have it fall no, off all dudes. the time and, sp- and spray blood all I over the place. I think we've worked out. Me and Ed should go as the as the triple stack. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy dress for Halloween. This is a, this this a, good, is a yeah. thing. This is a thing. There's a lot of good inspiration for it. I think, guys, it's time for a popcorn break. Mm. So um, we've uh, been given some popcorn by the Popcorn Shed. They are responsible for some unique flavours. This one is a rich chocolate flavour from their secret family recipe. And it's chocolate caramel popcorn with Belgian milk chocolate. And uh, there are a lot of popcorns around at the moment. Uh, we tried some recently that weren't very good. Not this you're brand. You're not going to mention any names. I can't remember who they were by, but okay. the, it was strawberries and cream was the flavour. And oh, I did, yeah. didn't really like that. But this is very good. I know you're good. talking about. You haven't tried this one I, yet, have you? I feel that this secret family recipe involves hiding all of the chocolate. Because <laughs> these are fantastic. Have you ever, when you were a kid, did you ever have a bowl of popcorn and, and put milk in it so it's like a bowl of cereal? That's this really is a idea. bit like um, Toko Pops. Yeah. That would work. Yeah. For this one, it'd be awesome. Definitely. Yeah. I'm going to get some for my kids. And for yourself. <laughs> When you say for your kids, is that actually just mean you? For, for breakfast. I don't have kids, but I'm going to use that excuse. Yeah. But um, for those of you who do have any allergens or anything you're not um, particularly down with, it's suitable for vegetarians and gluten-free. Oh. Fun for everyone. Delicious. These are actually awesome. <laughs> this is actually no joke. Everyone here is like properly stuffing their dinner. faces. I think it's gonna be difficult to discuss films with all of our mouths full. Mm. And that's it. Cheers to Popcorn Shed for their rich chocolate flavour. And yeah, Sam and Laura for making Popcorn Shed. Do we know where we can get this? You can get it online via the show notes from popcornshed.com. And they're also on Twitter and they're also on Instagram and they're also on Facebook. So 
get in touch with them because they and you can get in certain places like in some cinemas in London like the picture houses you can buy it from there where they have the film it's got really right. good packaging as well yeah it's like a little shed it's really you can't cool. miss it yeah well I'm going to keep an eye out for this <laughs> Well, while we're munching, shall we uh, see what the scores are? Yeah, so we go to the scores. Well, first up is the uh, on our unique scoring system, the uh, recommendability score by um, Ben. This is a film that would definitely get a tip on TV. It's a film I would recommend wholeheartedly. Has it ever been on TV, as far as you know? It's not been on yet. And you would know. You scan it. You have the database of all the films ever shown on TV ever in the UK, at least. Yeah. Good. Literally. Yeah. I, I, I mean, certainly, you know, you'd have to pick your audience. This isn't a film for my mum and dad, and this isn't a film for my kids. Mm. But for people who have some sense of nostalgia for the 80s and some love of post-apocalyptic fiction and gore and comedy, if you like any one of those or all four, this is a film for you. Does it? Have, I mean, I would kind of just say if you have to be a bit, you have to be a bit open-minded as to what is coming. Because some people go into a film and. Well, I say closed mind is the opposite, but they won't they won't accept that things are crazy gory. They won't accept that there's comedy and this kind of stuff going on. Yeah. Um Is that a narrow band of people? I, I do you think, think any anyone who's put off by uh, violence or gore, this isn't this is not a film they're gonna enjoy. But someone said something to me once, it's all of us, you know, we're in, we're in the we've got a film quiz team, the Shabbos Rollers, uh, the Bigger Boat Film Quiz, and um, watch out quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're all film enthusiasts. You know, I watch a film a day. You know, all of you guys have got very broad tastes, and you know what films you like, mm. and you and you watch films you might not even like because you might like them. A lot of people just turn up to the cinema twice a year and go, mm, "I fancy that guy. Yeah, I'm going to see that film." And they they have or I no saw idea. Transformers two years ago. Let's watch Transformers three. Precisely, yeah. and. This is not a film for those guys. No, no. Or it could be. They might just never have had the, uh, their eyes open to such... So Perhaps this could be the splatter. film that changes them forever. It could be. So what does that score... What, how does that translate into the recommendability score for you? I'm, I'm going to go for a five. Oh, wow. Okay. With, with massive caveats. So is that a... How do you take caveats out? Is it like a tenth of a point for every caveat? No, I mean, it's how you want to judge it, isn't it? So you're saying you'd recommend it to, to people who are open-minded, you'd definitely recommend it to them. Absolutely. But then there'll be people who are like, not for you. Is there any film you could recommend to everybody? There'll be someone like Back to the Future. No one should not like that film. That's true. If you if you don't like that film, then you've probably not got On the basis that Back to the Future is a film that everybody can watch, Yeah, I'm going to give this A4. Okay. Ed. This is tough. I mean, you're right. It it definitely... It's a film for certain people and definitely not for others. And you have to go into it with an open mind. But considering that you recommended it for this, I wouldn't have watched it like otherwise. I would have seen it and been like, nah, mm. you know, there are other films. And, so if you had started watching it based on a Netflix recommendation, yeah. you would have probably pulled out I quite would have early on. Pulled yeah. out, yeah, relatively yeah. early on. But because it was recommended, I really enjoyed it. And I reckon a lot of other people might be the same. Mm. Especially with a heads up that like just give it a bit more time. Give it like Strap give it a real <laughs> give it a real recommendation as opposed to just watch this, you know? I would Yeah, I, I don't think there'd be that many caveats. You know, I'd say because the reality is the the gore, while it's out there, it isn't 
it's so over the top that mm. you can't take it seriously. Yeah, it, it's like how do you describe it? it? It's so out there that it can't be offensive. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of blood, but nobody's going to confuse that with real blood. Nobody's <laughs> going to kind of turn away and go, "Oh, I can't watch that." That's well, like, there were some it's parts like Tom like, and Jerry violence. Yeah, yeah. like <sighs> there were some parts I like with the with the bicycle. With the bicycle, yeah. I was thinking that right now. Well, yeah. That that was I was thinking that, but as soon as you kind of actually look at it, you go. Okay, well, no one's confusing that for an actual like, intestine. Okay, I'm going to take that that Tom and Jerry and I'm going to switch that to Itchy and Scratchy. Yeah. <laughs> it's Itchy and Scratchy level violence, yeah. but live action. Yeah, so so I don't think it, it really is. I think the only issue is, will people find it funny? Not, will they be offended? Because Itchy and Scratchy is for kids, you know? <laughs> Supposedly. Yeah, I, I would give it a four. I don't think okay. there are that many caveats. I think the only caveat is... Do I think they would find it funny? And that is whether or not they have an open enough mind. H? I'm going to give it a four. The The only thing, I mean, I really enjoy this film and I, I really recommend it to anyone who doesn't take films too seriously and likes a bit of gore. Um, the only thing that I think is its downfall is that it is a little bit too reliant on being so nostalgic and having so many similarities with other films that it does feel that it's patched together a lot from different influences for most of the part. So I think if any anyone I wouldn't recommend it to is someone who's not really into kind of nostalgia films and, you know, has an interest. If, if you've got no interest in the film of the 80s, then you're probably not going to enjoy this much because it does rely on having like a love of, you know, E.T. and, you know, love of those 80s kind of soundtracks and things so mm. i think that's where it pulls on the heartstrings a bit for, yeah. for it's interesting to see what they do with the sequel if they try and replicate a nostalgic thing or they try and like build on yeah what they to have, have a, and, and so a bit a more bit original but it is a lot of fun and yeah the gore is pretty brilliant it's a lot of fun. <laughs> i'd uh, i'm gonna go four as well i think it's a nice Nice. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. 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 It's a good film, and but there are people who would be a put off by the gore, even though it's like you say, it's so it's so extreme. It's in, it's almost inoffensive. It's just what how how they sat down and come up with these things. Whereas it's extreme cartoon violence, isn't it? It's not. When I think of cartoon violence, I typically think of the Kill Bill, where where the bride's going through and fighting in the, in the in the snow and just chopping people down, and that sometimes made me kind of went a bit but this was just not stupid but it's just not naff i don't know what kind of word i'm trying to say here but it's, it's so over the top you just can't be put off by it. you can't really be offended by it so yeah four don't know why that was a bit of a ramble there <laughs> repeat viewing score well i've seen this twice the will you see it again i would when? and indeed i i think the, the second time i saw it i got more out of it than the first time and i could see this being a film i i could come back to you know every year and perhaps you know introduce a few friends to, and and see how that goes in a in a group, a group watch. So what's that? What's that score then? I, I always go for a five, and then someone says something, and I drop it back down. But um, personally, if this re this is repeat viewing is just for me. I will definitely watch this again, and I'll watch it regularly. So that will be a five. Ned, I don't know about regularly, but I'm definitely going to rewatch this if for no other reason than I didn't know what I was getting into. <laughs> um, and I've said it before I've said it a few times but if I were to watch it knowing what the start is I might appreciate it from start to end a little bit more so it's definitely getting a repeat viewing mm -hmm. whether or not that's like every year or just like two or three times 
it's definitely getting watched again. So I'm going a four. Okay. It's slightly low. I'm going to go for 3.5. I'd have no objections to watching it again, but actively sitting down to put it on again, possibly not anytime soon, but I would be interested to see the uh, sequel on this. So 3.5? Yeah. I'd like to see this one on like a big outdoor screen and a big, you know, like a... Like when, when it comes to summer, they do like an like open... Like a drive-in. Yeah. yeah. With the little speaker in your car. I think that would be an interesting game. Push for that to happen and I'm there. <laughs> I think I'm going to go 3.23. It's very oh. precise. Wow. Yeah. I well, didn't know we got that precise. We, we can, can go, go into the hundreds. We can go into, yeah, you can go into as many significant figures as you want. <laughs> but I don't know why. Why, why, yeah, why not, not 3.24? Or 3.25? I think I will watch it again some point in the next two years, definitely. But I can't think, I think it's going to have like a half-life. It's going to have like a decay on it. I'll watch it again. But after that, I'm not sure when I'd be interested in watching it again. That's an interesting point. You, you know, is it, is it going to be a Big Lebowski that gets better with every viewing? Or is it going to be something else that, like you say, something that, that kind of depletes every time you watch it? Well, I don't I don't deplete, I'll just predict that. I don't, it won't deplete. It'll just be my, I think I'll have less interest in watching it again. Where something like the Lebowski, you know, once a year can think, yeah, I'm going to put it on and be happy watching it. But I think this, I'll probably think of other films again that I'd rather watch. Unless someone, it would be someone would talk about it in, in conversation and make me think about it. That would make me trigger to, would be the inspiration for me to watch it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Small screen score. I watched this in about, when we, was the, we were on quiz night last week. I watched it in about four sessions on three different devices over that day. And, so and this I is like a crime against cinema. <laughs> well, that's what Netflix allows. Well, this is it. Netflix, you can you can download films onto an SD card, so you can put your SD card in your phone or your tablet, your computer, and you you know, this film wasn't. I had seen it before, but I didn't lose anything by watching when it. When you sessions. watched it before, what was the size of the screen that you watched it in, and did you watch it in one sitting? I watched it in one sitting on my TV. That makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, it it. I think all films are better on a big screen. Um, so I don't think you can ever get a five for not, this rating. Not all films. Yeah, if it's got really crappy special effects, you don't want to see it on a bigger screen, do you? Mm, if it's got really crappy special effects, you don't want to see it. Well, not necessarily. Some films just age badly, haven't they? Yes. Okay. I feel that you've uh, trod this ground before. I'm I'm going to give this a um, four. It's, it didn't detract for me, but I think, you know, I'd love to see on a big screen, big outdoor environment. Ed? I have to disagree. I don't think there is a single film that is worse on a big screen. I think you, every film is made to be seen in the cinema. And, and I think that a communal viewing is the best way to watch these films. And while I enjoyed it on the small screen, I don't think I could watch it in three or four sittings. I think it needs to be watched in one. I'm going for three. I, I enjoyed it. But I think that, yeah, I think it would be ideal at one of those like outdoor screenings. I, I want to see on a big screen. Helen? I'm, I'm going to go three. I don't think the size of the screen is that. I mean, uh, watching it on a TV side screen is is as much as you need uh, with a nice sound system so you can enjoy the soundtrack and all the, the gory, splattery intestines being shredded. It's 95 minutes. It's really short. Yeah. You can all give 95 minutes to this film and watch it in one go. I think it's not long. So I'm going to give it three. And if there was a, 
if it came to the cinema, the sequel, I might make the trip out to go and see that. Yeah, I'm, see melting. I'm going to give it a four because I don't think it, I don't think it needs a bigger screen. I think it, to make it this good, I think it needs probably more people, not necessarily a bigger screen. Yeah, can, so you know. can I ask? With the small screen score, are yeah. we actually talking the size of the screen, or are we talking the cinematic experience? A bit of both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do you need to change your score? No, I think I'm going to stick at three. I just, uh, I was imagining just the the experience of watching it at home or in a cinema. Well, I think other people have taken into account the having to pay in London seventeen quid to go to go and see it. It's, it's not the, quite worth seventeen pounds. Kind of, it's the kind of whole. But it is worth giving ninety five minutes of your yeah. attention to. It's the whole kind of ambiance of a. That price does change things, I guess. <laughs> By the Blu-ray. Yeah. It's cheaper than that. Well, this is taking it back to a small screen. Engagement score. Benjamin. Give me a little guidance here, Kobe. So engagement score is like how... Often did you check your phone? Yeah, did you, did you stop do it? the ironing while you were watching it? Obviously, this perhaps doesn't apply to you. You watched it in transit, so you couldn't stop. And you had to stop to get off the, are you right stops. Absolutely, yeah. And but think about maybe the first time you watched it. I felt no need to look at anything other than this film. Yeah. It, it's captivating. It's thoroughly enjoyable. Great characters. It's just tremendously pleasurable and, and <laughs> it's an exuberant experience. Why I, I could not be distracted from watching it. So that gives it a five. Five. Yeah. All very high scores from you. That's I, I'm an enthusiastic film goer unless it's that yeah, one. Yeah, average score is four point five, which is outstanding. At risk of repeating myself, I feel like the score went up massively once I finally realized what it was that I was watching. Mm. So that opening, my engagement was relatively low. I was kind of very, like, yeah, if it hadn't been recommended, I would have been very close to turning it off. <laughs> but once I kind of really realized what the film was and stopped kind of necessarily taking it seriously, engagement was there. I wasn't moving. So a 3.5, it probably would have been higher. And I, I wonder if that's my fault for just not having worked out what it was first and <laughs> going into it blind. And, and maybe it would have been higher otherwise, but... No worries. Helen? I think I'm going to go 4.5. Wow. I, I did do a little bit of IMDBing just to check that it wasn't, obviously, Johnny from Razorlight. And then got caught <laughs> in a bit of a uh, an IMDB loop to find out who, who else had been in in what and where I might have seen them if I'd seen them. So, so it's, only, it's only on my client's side who's been in anything substantial. That I've seen, yeah. yeah. I think the uh, the Laurence, I might pronounce her name wrong, uh, but Laurence LaBeouf, uh, who plays uh, Apple. She's been in a lot of films, but they're all kind of French-Canadian films yeah, that we haven't really yeah. um, seen over here. But, um, yeah, and also I, I was a little bit, I wasn't really following some bits of it that much. I was kind of waiting for the... The next one bit. bits, yeah. Yeah, I think I I've... don't think you you need to be I mean, you could definitely have this as getting some beers in and you don't really need to be sat glued to the screen. I think it is definitely leads itself to being a communal experience. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go something like three point eight because I don't think you need to be in the zone. In fact, the first, I watched in two sittings. The first half I watched I was probably the most tired I've been for like the past five years and I was trying to keep awake and it was doing a good job, but I just couldn't I just couldn't stick with it. And that's not the film's fault. But and when I came back to the second half, I was more engaged, but I still kind of didn't feel like I needed to be 100% focused. Whereas if it was a film I needed to be fully on top of, I probably would have switched it off 
at the first few minutes and then come back to it and watch it from the start again. So I didn't feel the need to kind of re-see what, what I'd seen before. So it's not, not going to be the highest, but it's not going to be lowest. So 3.8, I think, which gives us a total score of 3.9, which is actually... It's just about four nearly. Yeah, nearly yeah. four. So that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty high. Excellent. Yeah. I, I think for me, uh, if anyone uh, out there already follows Top Film Tip, you know, my, my whole premise for for films is is you yeah I like to appreciate them based on are are they doing what they set out to do are they fitting that genre well you know you can't judge an action film based on its uh you know on its oscar winning acting in the same way that you wouldn't watch pride and prejudice and go oh there's rubbish explosions and no car chases mm. and this film achieves exactly what it sets out to do just you know to the nth degree so I think as a final sign-off, guys, who are you? Where can we find you? I'm Ben. I'm from Top Film, at Top Film Tip on Twitter. Yep. And yourself, Ed? I'm Ed, and I'm at Corrigan90 on Twitter. Cool, yeah. Brilliant. Thanks for coming along. Yeah. Thanks for having us on, guys. Thank you very much. Bye. Hi, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. We had a lot of fun doing it. Please do check out all the details in the show notes to find out all the details about our guests, where to find them on Twitter, where to find their website where to harass them don't harass them because they're very nice people <laughs> please don't forget to subscribe to us on itunes and of course we want to big up tony and jay and also greg our editors from gl productions of course please big up mighty people for the tunes you can hear now and at the start of the podcast find us on twitter at flixwatcher pod and visit our website flixwatcher.tv